presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with Keith Lowell Jensen. All right, it's the Keith Lowell Jensen Show. I'm your host, Keith Lowell Jensen. The show, of course, is presented by Keith Lowell Jensen and our sponsor, Burley Beverages. You can visit them at burleybeverages.com. Uh, I and my manager have been trying their drinks, uh, and they're great. They make uh, like old-fashioned shrubs and um modern soda syrups and if you go to burleybeverages.com and enter the uh, discount code klj rules all in capital letters and with a z at the end of rules instead of an s you will save 15 percent off of their stuff uh my guest you're going to meet in a minute but first i'm going to ask her real quick you've tried all that burley sodas and shrubs right i don't know if i've tried all of them, but I've tried everything that's come into the house. It's yummy stuff, right? It is. I love their ginger. Yeah. They have both like a mellow ginger ale and then also like a stronger ginger beer. Which right. do you? The ginger beer is what I like. That's what you like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that they're actually going to start selling, I think this year, as their first ready drink. Instead of a syrup, they're going to actually have cans of it all ready to pop open and drink. Really? They're going to so. have cans? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've heard of like home brews where you can do the bottling. They're hand canning them. They're hand canning I them. I saw the machine down at the shop and it's so cool. So anyway, I'm really excited to have them as our sponsor. And I'm also excited because Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, and my guest today is my relationship. And uh this relationship consists of two people, so to keep it fair and balanced, uh, goddamn you Fox News for spoiling that phrase, to keep it fair, joining me on the podcast today is uh, my partner of like 27 years, 28-something, uh, and now my wife of the last 12 years, Brenna. Hi, Brenna. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, you are. I'm going to just address this up top. I think okay. it'll make it easier for you just to put it out there. Okay. You are out of your comfort zone. I am. And I don't know what questions you're going to ask me. And you're not the public half of this couple. And I am not the public face of this couple, though. Um, Valentine's Day has always been uh, especially special for us because our anniversary is so close to New Year's and Christmas and my dad's birthday in January. And so then we would kind of celebrate it in Valentine's Day. Our boyfriend-girlfriend anniversary is in January. Our right. wedding anniversary is in April. Right. But because we didn't get married until we were 14 years in, we've yeah. always kept both of them. Yes. I wonder if other people that were together for a long time before they got married do that. Because I can't see. Once you start hitting teens on Double your digits. anniversary numbers, yeah, you don't want to give that up. Yeah. You want to make like Rick Astley and never going to give you up. Now we're up in the 20s even. Remember our thing back before we had a child was uh, <laughs> we used to love to go to Santa Cruz because it was the winter. So we kind of had the beach to ourselves. Yes, I love a wintry beach. Except for we didn't have it to ourselves the one time that the two streakers ran past us. And I don't think they were streakers. I think they were skinny dippers. A streaker implies public. And right. the only public was us. But remember that when the two naked people ran past and jumped in the waves? Vaguely. There have been a lot of streakers in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of thing impresses me more than you, yes. Yeti. Um, anyway, let me finish introducing you. I wrote a guest bio for you because you didn't have one ready. Uh, 
<laughs> Brenna, the oldest of four girls, teaches art to preschool kids and mm-hmm. is an avid crafter from uh, dyeing silks to knitting to candle making and learning to spin her own wool yarn. She's got all the hippie arts covered. She's a fierce mama bear and a wonderful wife. Brenna, welcome to the Keith Lowell Jensen Show. Well, thank you. You make me sound so cool. <laughs> did you like that bio? I did. All right. Although I think I should be a mama tiger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead. We're going to jump all over the place today. I'm less structured than I've ever been. But I call you a mama bear because one time our daughter had a teacher who we, uh, to put it gently, didn't approve of. And so you basically just went in there and said, oh, I'm volunteering in your class now. And she went, okay, when? And you said, every day, all day. (laughs) Yes. I don't want to get into too many of the specifics of that, but yes. I, I was, yeah, I kept it vague, but yeah. I was impressed. Oh, well, thank you. Basically, you took a full-time job without pay, but nobody was going to be anything less than uh, on their best behavior around our kid. Yes. So and thanks for that, Mama Bear. You're most welcome. <laughs> um, so let's go backwards. I always like to start in people's childhoods. Um, and you grew up in... Vermont, which is where this whole hippie thing you got going comes from. <laughs> yes, I do come by the hippie, honestly. Uh, which uh, which part of Vermont did you start out in? Um, well, I was born in northern Vermont, and then I spent the early part of my childhood in Springfield, which I guess is kind of lower Vermont. But Vermont is very tiny, right. so there's not the difference between like northern California and southern California. It's like the difference between... San Francisco and Sacramento. Okay. So it's, I grew up in Vermont. <laughs> how small town, how rural was it? Um, well, the town that I lived in right before we moved to California had one blinking streetlight in the middle of town. And they used to just turn it to red, the blinking red in the middle of the night. Um, but we had two colleges in that same town. Um, but yeah, my friend and I used to go and have picnics underneath that blinking stoplight in the middle of Main Street in the middle of the night because there was no traffic. But with two colleges, so it's like small town, but you also got some some art and some culture. Yes, there was an art college and then there was Johnson State College. And my mom was going to that college at the time to get her teaching degree. Talk to me about Bubba's. Bubba's? Um, when, when I got to Vermont, I heard a lot about Bubba's. And I think I hung out with a few. I don't know. Like the, the boys that I went to school with who grew up to be bearded Vermonters were not like the Bubba's that we knew growing up. Well, when I met your girlfriends and they would talk about Bubba's like when they were reminiscing about when you guys were kids what did they mean but basically did they mean like Vermont rednecks or yeah yeah were Vermont rednecks cooler than the ones we ran into in the south or the ones we run into protesting out in front of uh, Trader Joe's because they don't want to wear a mask that's hard to say because there's such a gamut because so many I mean my parents were part of the hippies who wanted to go back to the land and chose Vermont to go and live in as young adults. The, the so, dropout culture. A lot of the hippies that were going to 
Absolutely. The communes and stuff, they flooded into Vermont. Right. We had that sort of egress. And then, um, but there were also people who have lived there for generations. And so I guess there's some variation in the Bubba's. There's the people who chose to go back and there's the people who were already there. When we were pulling up, I was, because I visited Vermont with you. Yes, you did. Which we'll get to in a little bit. (laughs) But as we're pulling up, I see all these big burly dudes with beards. Before that was a hipster thing. And they're all wearing flannel shirts. And I didn't want to get out of the bus. And then I open the door and I hear Dr. Dre blasting. And they Mm -hmm. offer me some like cool locally brewed beer. And I was like, oh, these guys are great. And when I left, a lot of these guys were prepubescent. So it was... (laughs) It was quite a shock for you. Well, I looked at them and I still saw, you know, the little boys that they were. And you looked at them and you saw these bearded, scary Vermonters. <laughs> Did you, uh, when you were a kid, want to leave? Was it like, ugh, this podunk town, I want to go to the big city where everything's happening? Or did you enjoy it? Did you want to stay? Can I say yes to both of them? Because I did enjoy a lot of it. But Okay. Um, I enjoyed the parts that were almost solitary, like you cannot beat how beautiful Vermont is. Uh, Vermont doesn't allow billboards. Right, no billboards. No billboards. In the whole state. Right. They're very protective of keeping Vermont beautiful. And, I mean, you could just walk into the woods and be gone for half the day. And it was gorgeous. Um, But at the same time, you know, I wanted to go to the big city because it sounded so romantic. Yeah. And then I came to Sacramento. (laughs) When you were told you were going to come to Sacramento, was that the catalyst towards you running away from home and crossing international borders illegally? (laughs) Yes. I didn't realize it. Yes. Yes, that was. I was not very happy about <laughs> moving away. Well, you were what, 14, 13? Yeah, I was like 14 going on. No, I was 15 going on 16. Oh, so you were a little older than I realized. So I was going into my junior year of high school, and I think I turned 15. So no one wants to leave all their friends at that age. You've been looking forward to your junior okay. and senior year. Yeah. And then... First impression of Sacramento, because I know where in Sacramento you landed. Oh, my God. Sacramento smelled funny. Like, the entire town smells... I don't know. I can't... I mean, you have to understand that where I came from was very green mountains. Right. And to come into Sacramento in the middle of this town, which felt huge to me. Um, And, yeah, the whole town kind of smelled a little stale. Yeah, but you also landed in the middle of Rancho Cordova, which if you're listening to this from Rancho, I'm sorry, but it's my like one of my least favorite suburbs of Sacramento. Well, we're right next to the park, which I think is part of the reason why my mom chose that spot. But yeah, Rancho is an island unto itself. So you were an artsy kid. Yes. And I, I know about that in Sacramento. Were you already an artsy kid in Vermont or was everybody an artsy kid in Vermont? I was already an artsy kid in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then you came here and you were an artsy kid. Was yes. that kind of part of your identity? in high? Like in high school, we all have, especially because I also moved here around just a year before you, I think. Um, 
having that kind of label or identity helps you find your people, helps you make friends. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I think that I was artsy enough that that helped me find some people when I moved to Sacramento, because at the time I was 15. So I needed some people in my life and, uh, Rancho Cordova High was huge to me. That's so funny. I know. I look back on it and I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, so you got a scholarship to a CalArts summer program. I did. That was between junior and senior year? Yes. How was that? Oh, that was wonderful. Um, I mean, what... I got to go to a college campus and live on the college campus for a couple of weeks. So For like a 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, that must have been... It, it was incredibly liberating. And my roommate lasted i don't know maybe 48 hours and so i had the room to myself oh nice which was glorious right for me i'd be bummed but you having your own space is very important i loved it i took the mattress off the bed and used the platform to lay out all my art stuff (laughs) yeah yeah you're the same person you are now uh yeah i have not changed that much (laughs) and it was shortly after that that you met me. Yes. I met you halfway through my senior year of high school. Which I was already done with school by then. Mm-hmm. To quote Kanye, you finished? No, I decided I was finished. <laughs> or you graduated. No, I decided I was finished. Um, <laughs> I already had my own place. Yes. It was, which was so exciting. An older boy with his own apartment downtown. But- but you were there hanging out with my roommate, you and your bestie. Yep. And I came home and immediately tagged you guys as like Buffy girls because you were hanging out with Sean. <laughs> Do you remember Buffy girls? That was a phrase of me. I don't know. Like, I think that Buffy the Vampire Slayer has t- taken over the binocular so much that I right. can't really picture what a Buffy girl would be. But there's a reason why she was Buffy. If you remember in the movie, she was supposed to be like the cheerleader type, like kind of a little airheaded. And But she turns out to actually be a badass vampire slayer. That was the humor in Buffy, the vampire slayer. So you guys were Buffy chicks. That's what I immediately labeled you just because you were there with my roommate and I hated him at the time. Before you even saw us? No, upon seeing you. I was like, oh, great. Sean's got Buffy girls here. So I went and I grabbed a beer and I sat down. And do you remember my first words to you? Oh, yes. This is a classic. His first words to me were, how could you say something so fucking stupid? And you were in love. That's that right there. I was so, not in love. That's what we call a panty dropper. <laughs> no, this was not a meat cute. I was infuriated. But I was in love. You were in love immediately? Yes. No, as soon as you responded. Ah. Because your eyes turned red and you said, What? And you dressed me down and you had the facts. You were able to debate. And you and I started arguing. And a half an hour later, we were still arguing, much to my roommate's dismay, because he was hoping he could get lucky with you and your bestie. Mm-hmm. He had plans. I'm not the only one. <laughs> that was a popular theme at the time. Um, so finally, he gave up on you and I finishing our fight and invited me to coffee as well, against his will. Where we continued. Where we continued fighting. And that's it. I I can honestly say you've been my best friend since then. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some 
periods where we <laughs> gave each other some space. And then I immediately started dating your best friend. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, we say very casually and sometimes people are like, what? It was not that. I mean, there was some drama, but there was not that much drama. She had a car. Right. She so was I, my best friend. So after the coffee date, mm-hmm. when you and I had hit it up so well, she drove you home and then came back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes. And I'm, you know, I mean, I wasn't like a ladies' man. So I'm 17 and the pretty girl's giving me attention. And she was, I mean... She was my best friend. She was really something special. So it's not like I couldn't see <laughs> why you would like her. But honestly, that was such a like <laughs> backstabbing teenager thing to do to give you a ride home and then turn around and come back. Well, I don't know if I'd actually like laid claim to you yet. Yeah. I don't know if I knew how to lay, lay claim. But to there somebody. was obviously something there. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to not make her the bad guy in this situation. Oh, she's totally not. And I'm the, you know, wiener who was just like, oh, whichever pretty girl kisses me first, that's the one I like. I don't like being kissed. All right. But you and I continue to be very, very close. Yes. And we'd get together and watch movies. Mm-hmm. We were friends all through your relationship. Reading the same books. My best friend and... Yes, we used to share Narcissus and Goldman, and I think right then we were on a big kick of, like, German philosophers. No, you were probably just reading them and telling me about them. Really? Yeah. No, that's not true. You totally (laughs) identified with Narcissus and Goldman. No, Herman has, but that's that's about it. That's about as deep into philosophy as I went. Had to have a good story to it to hold my attention. All right. Well, I had a good story. And you <laughs> built like your entire persona around this whole Narcissus and Goldman and the uh, the monk. and the... Oh, you remember this. Oh, yes, of course I remember I mean, this. I tortured myself with it. You did. You were either going to um, be a monk or ride the rails. <laughs> I did neither. Life did is not. a compromise. Yes. And what about you? What were you going to do at that point? Oh, let's see. I think mostly I just wanted to be out of Rancho Cordova. <laughs> so I was very excited to move out of my parents' house. I was 17 and I was moving out with my best friend, another good friend. And when we went to look at apartments, my mother came and followed me out to the car and tried to ground me. Young lady, you're grounded. Yes, because I was not allowed to move out. And I promptly said, that's not something you can ground me for. You were 17 when you graduated high school. Yes, I was So 17. you were still technically. I was still technically a child. Her ward. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work and you moved out. Yeah, it didn't work. I moved out. It was a very different experience for me than for my two roommates because their mothers were all buying them dishes and Tupperware and my mother was all you're grounded you can't leave me so (laughs) you were her oldest daughter I I was the oldest oldest of four girls as I mentioned Mm -hmm. um how did your parents deal with you being an artsy kid who was not necessarily on a real strict college career track um, was that I, a concern for them? I think they just assumed that I was also on a strict 
college career track. Oh, okay. I mean, I was in all the AP classes for English and history. Well, what about after you moved out, though? At that time, I was still going to school. I was uh, at American River. Oh, okay. So you were a good girl. <laughs> as far as your parents know, you, you can't see the look that she just gave me. That doesn't translate into audio. Mm. When I called her a good girl, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have spend any time <laughs> pursuing you if you were a good girl. But um, so you and I kept during that whole time. We went through several more relationships with other people. Yes, and kept ending up kissing each other. Sometimes when it was okay to, sometimes when we weren't supposed to, uh, it was it was our weakness. We were each other's weakness. I know. <laughs> our friend Sid uh, said that we would be together forever, and I think even our friends at that time were not surprised when we ended up as a couple. Yeah, but it was uh, yeah a long time. We've done everything slowly. Mm-hmm. Um. And so when we finally decided to get together, I was, I had already gone on the road with Spike and Mike and had been traveling all over the country. We'd both been through long, heartbreaking relationships of various intensities. Yep. And then we were both technically single and in the same place at the same time. And I said, I would like you to be my girlfriend. And I had formal. I had thought about that in in Tallahassee, Florida. I had like meditated on it. I was like, I'm going to go back, and I'm Brenda's going to be my girlfriend. So I got back, and I said that to you, and you said, "Do you remember?" Um, what took you so long? Yes, <laughs> but you didn't agree. No, I didn't agree right away. Well, you and I had been best friends, and stepping into an official relationship meant that it would be really hard to step out of that and remain friends. So. Right. So so you don't give me a definitive yes, and you go back up to Yosemite, mm-hmm. where you were wintering at the lodge up there. Yep. And my mom absolutely adored you. Which is good, because I absolutely adore her. So she says, what's with you and Brenna? Is she your girlfriend now? And I said, well, I'm hoping so. And she says, not a done deal yet, huh? And I said, no. And my mom says, well, do you want to go visit her? And I said, mom, she's like up a mountain. And my mom hates driving on mountain roads. And heights. And this is like my mom's afraid of heights. bad drop-offs. And my mom puts me in her van. <laughs> How long of a drive from Rockland to Yosemite? It was like... I don't know. It usually took like a little over two hours from Sacramento to Okay. Yosemite. So more than a two-hour drive to drop me off, mm-hmm. have a cup of tea, and drive back home. Right. And then come and then do it all again the next day to come pick me up. Yeah, because you were there for less than 24 hours. And kids, this is when we didn't have cell phones and such. My mom was determined. She found her daughter-in-law. and It was going to happen. And then you agreed to be my girlfriend. Yes. And we immediately hopped in a Volkswagen bus to go off on a two-month road trip around the country. Yes. If you Uh, ever want to pressure cooker a relationship travel as poor kids in a Volkswagen bus that is not completely reliable across country. Do you remember, do you remember crashing? I was teaching you how to drive and you popped the clutch at a rest stop oh in Texas God. and you crashed into the uh, motor home. Yeah. It was just parked right in front of us and it was just, Oh, 
It wasn't. It was the car being towed by the motorhome. Right. It wasn't even the motorhome. It was the car being towed. But and we could have split. It was the middle of the night. We went and knocked on their door, and they answered in like their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I felt so bad. No insurance. No insurance. So we lied to them. Told them we had insurance. Uh, but that we'd rather just pay for it. We were driving across country because I had a job in Florida. <laughs> I have no idea why I thought I had to make up all of that instead of just saying we were road tripping. Hmm. But I give them my license. They take it. I tell them I was driving, first off, since you weren't even licensed. Yeah, I wasn't licensed at the time. I don't think I got my license until I was 23. And this would have been right before uh, I turned 21. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember going to track them down? We told them we would meet them. It was a huge park with nothing but RVs. And like it was huge enough that there was uh, parking sections that all had different names. like They called them neighborhoods. Neighborhoods. Yes. Cowpoke Corner. Cowpoke Corner. Yeah. But it wasn't like um, mobile homes with grass and everything. It was just parking spots. It was temporary. They came from all over the country to meet there. Right. It's like a, it was like Burning Man for old people. <laughs> and you remember they were all riding around on little scooters and stuff? Oh, my gosh. And they loved us. Yeah. Not just the couple, but all the old people. Well, we were traveling. And, and they were traveling. So, and, and all the old men would come up, go, oh, great bus. I owned one of these back in the 60s. <laughs> yes. And then we get to their motorhome. And the first thing you say when you walk in the door was, this is bigger than any apartment I've ever lived in. Which was true. Because, you know, downtown apartments were not all that big. They were so delighted that we showed up. They gave us lemonade. They were Didn't they give us wine, too? I think that was later, but I think they started with lemonade. Okay. They went on and on about how we restored their faith in the youth. And I went out to look at the car with the guy, and he's like, don't worry about it. Like, he didn't want me to give him any money. He's like, spend your money on your trip. <laughs> And then you popped the dent out. You got underneath and you just, because there was, a, I, I did put a dent in the, in the fender. And it was like we, a plastic bumper. Yeah, it was like a plastic bumper. And you got underneath and just popped it out with your fingers. So we made, we did the rest of our trip. Yeah. That's, that's glossing over some details. So many details. I mean, that's like glossing over Texas to New York. Yeah. With yeah. stops in between in Florida and, uh, uh, Rainbow gathering in the Ocala National Forest, mm-hmm. picking up hitchhikers. That new Keith. Oh, yeah. So so I'm such a social butterfly that me and Brenna go to the grocery store. I run into six people I know. Which is why back in the days when we used to go to the grocery store, I would not take him with me because it would make a 30-minute trip into an hour and a half because we would run into somebody he knows every other aisle. So here we are in literally the opposite side of the country, driving, I think, from Florida into Georgia? Yeah, I think at that point we had... Um, we had finished exploring the Tallahassee gay nightclub scene. Yeah, right. With and, then, and, Rob. and then we were heading north up the <laughs> East Coast. And the hitchhiker runs up to the bus and looks in and says... Hi, Keith! <laughs> and he knew me from Spike and Mike. Which is just ridiculous. And Brennan was like, oh my god! <laughs> So, and then a few hours later, you were trying to sleep in the back and him and I hit a bit of a snag and dumped all this water and beans and everything on top of you. That's when you decided never to let anyone else navigate again. Right. Because this was before uh, you had even GPS. Right. We had triptychs. 
Yes. And yes. since we went off of our triptychs to get to the rainbow gathering, we were just feeling our way around. <laughs> well, we were following Joe's directions that he had on like a cassette. Like one of those little mini cassette And all of a sudden we heard my voice on them. He accidentally recorded over part of them while I was talking. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, fun. Right. (laughs) Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. And you hate being lost. And we blew out. Okay, jump forward. I mean, now we've been to New York. We visited visited your old bestie, my ex-girlfriend, in in, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Of course. Quite an adventure we had. The bus blows up in upstate New York. Right. Just outside of Syracuse. Mm -hmm. We were on a narrow stretch of highway with a big wall on each side of us because they were doing construction. There was a single lane. We've got semis behind us. And we hear, boom. And I say, Brenna, we're losing power. And we have no choice but to I push the clutch in and we just roll and hope that we roll out of this or else. Right. I, the semis would have pushed us out, I think. They would have had to. I mean, there's, right. nothing, there's nothing else that you could have done. And we just made it out. We're going like two miles per hour out of that. And then finally there's shoulder again and we pulled over. Yep. That was it. I never saw that bus again. We, we got it to the garage and pretty much said goodbye to it. We took the Greyhound home. We, t- <laughs> we took the Greyhound bus home after your aunt came and rescued us from yes. the hotel. Luckily, you have an aunt in Syracuse right. who delivers babies. And <laughs> how was traveling with me on the Greyhound, dear? Oh, it was just peachy. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I organized a uh, mutiny because oh, yeah. they were trying to throw me and Badar off. Right. Badar being a friend that I made on the bus. Dude from India. Right. And uh, we helped a drunk guy off the bus. And then they didn't want to let us on because we were, quote, with him. He was obnoxiously drunk. And then the driver was like, you guys have been drinking. And we're like, I know. That's why we're taking, that's why you're driving. Yeah. the The bus pulled into some place that had a bar as well as the bus station. And maybe a restaurant? I don't remember. And that's how we lured the drunk off. Mm-hmm. I was vegan. Right. Already. Already. And the bus only stopped. They had contracts. So they would only stop at stops that had one restaurant. So you couldn't have options. And it would be Burger King. And back then, Burger King didn't have vegan burgers. And then, like, country, some some country place. Wasn't there a fast food place that had a salad bar? Or no, did you just live on french fries? No, I just lived on salad. Oh. Yeah. You say that like, see, non-vegan says that like, oh, you had a salad bar. No. no. You get real tired of iceberg and carrots. Right. And you're dropping the story without telling everybody why you started to mutiny. Why did I bus. start to mutiny? Because they didn't want to let Keith back onto the bus. Right. I said that because mm-hmm. I'd been drinking. But I took the drunk with me across the street and bought him a beer. That's how I lured him off the bus. I did the driver a favor. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I think maybe I'm not telling the story accurately <laughs> enough for you. So they are, the bus driver was obviously trying to make an example of somebody. And the Pakistani guy was ahead of us. And they oh, started, was he Pakistani? I feel bad. I called him Indian. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's Pakistani. Uh, and tried to get on the bus. And the bus driver tried to get to say that he couldn't get on the bus. And then, oh no, I've got it backwards. See, this is why I'm not the storyteller. (laughs) 
first you were trying to get on and then you talked yourself and me on. And then the Pakistani guy, they were going to leave him behind because he was right. right behind us. And then you got everybody to mutiny on the bus. And everybody so, stood up and said they'd get off also. Right. Because the bus driver was trying to make an example out of this guy and was obviously not the guy who was causing all the grief. I got to tell you, I was pretty freaking impressed with myself. <laughs> Yeah, I was impressed with you, but I still would have gotten on the bus and gone home you and left that, him behind. You made that clear. Yeah. You told me, you said, I'm going home one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> you were kind of done. Again, pressure cooker of a relationship. Get in a VW bus and travel across country and don't make it all the way home. All right, let's 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 risk it. Let's talk about this. I don't know if we've talked about this in two <laughs> decades. We get to your parents' house in Sacramento. Sean Christian, the same roommate that had you over when I met you came and picked us up and he took us to your mom's house. Sean has been yeah. there for me many times. He also gave me a job when I needed to get back to Sacramento one time Good. when I was stranded with no money. So thank you, Sean, if you're out there for introducing me to my wife and helping me. So he drove us to your mom's house and I, you're ready to be done with me. Yes. I have got to be cool and score some points. So I get rip roaring drunk with your 13 year old sister. <laughs> Was that when this happened? Yes, because she has this drink she's drinking and she offers me some. And I'm, I drink it. And I'm like, oh, there's alcohol in here. And she's all, yeah, pussy or whatever. And I guess she was quite yeah. a 13 year old. Uh, and so I'm like, well, I'm not going to let this little kid show me up. So I'm drinking the drink and it is strong. Oh and this 13 year old drinks me under the table. Then, um, yeah, you were not impressed. Yeah. If you could see how far my head, my eyes have been rolling back. <laughs> So I called, you thought that I called you a bitch that night. Did I? Yeah, you got real mad at me because you came in and I said something about bitch, knock it off. But I was thought I was talking to your sister, which mm, may not... that would have been much better. No, except that she was being horrible. She kept picking the lock to the bathroom. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so oh my gosh. I was justifiably pissed and also sloshed. Mm. Um, so I leave, I go to Corona to take a job that my brother offered me and sleep on his couch and you go back to Yosemite. I do. I had a summer job where I went back every season for a couple years in a row. The state of our relationship was not clear. Oh, I, I was clear. <laughs> you were clear that you were done? <laughs> yes, I was clear that I was done. And then you got a love letter a day. Pretty much. For and how it, long? Oh my gosh, until the end of the summer. With drawings and every, poetry. Every envelope would come covered with poetry and drawings and when i need to pitch some woo i can pitch some woo yes you can and there was no email there were no cell phones again long distance cost money mm-hmm. but i could buy stamps and mail you a letter a day yes and it was probably better that way uh, did you keep them do you, I, I do i have them in a box somewhere oh can we destroy them before we die <laughs> I, don't, I don't need max reading those are you sure <laughs> i'm pretty sure I think that we're going to live old enough that anything she would read in those letters would come off as sweet because we'll be sweet old people. Okay. Who used to be dirty, dirty <laughs> With our wild youth, yes. So I went back to Sacramento after I found Corona just com- – like Corona was so racist that the white people in Corona were racist against other white people. And my German friends that we met on our road trip came mm-hmm. to visit and they were told – that they had to speak English all the time or they were unwelcome. And right. that made me so angry that I said, I'm gone. And I left that night. I went and rented a car and drove to you 
in Yosemite. My German friends met us there. Oh, oh God, yes. We oh. got rip-roaring drunk, and one of our friends, who shall remain nameless, put on some women's lingerie and got his photo taken. He was not pleased to discover that I had those photos. And you still have those photos. In the box. So he better watch what he does or says. <laughs> Again, it's been enough time. It's just wild youth. It's just wild youth. Um, and uh, then we moved to Sacramento together and moved into a house on 15th and T, an old Victorian owned by a former employer of mine. I have a lot of former employers. With a ton of roommates, including one of your sisters, but not the 13-year-old who could drink me under the table. Right. Was she there in the first round, or did she replace me? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, but it was a bunch of, living with a bunch of people, which I discovered that I don't particularly like to live with a bunch of people. So this is an interesting thing. In relationships, it's very hard to take a step backwards. Like you said, we were friends. Could we become romantically involved and then step backwards and still be friends if the romantic thing didn't work out. Now we were living together. Could we stop living together and not have it spell the end of our relationship? We had separate rooms. We did have separate rooms. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting test. You moved out on your own. And then I got an apartment two blocks away from you. Well, first you got an apartment like whatever that was like eight or 10 blocks away from me. Right. With Todd. Yes. And then you just moved closer and closer. (laughs) (laughs) And my roommates two blocks away from you were like, you don't really live here. Right. You Uh, and all your fish tanks. I set all my fish tanks up at your house. So Mm -hmm. I kind of unofficially moved in with you. Yeah. Um, But we did. We survived that. Barely. We took a break. Do you remember taking a break? I do. That was your... You did that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I remember at the time you said, we're three years in. It's amazing how much happened in those three years. Because it seems like so much more than three years. But the way I remember it, what you said to me was, we're three years in. We haven't gotten engaged or anything. But if we continue on, we're making a commitment just by continuing on. And I think we should take a break and make sure that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And we also needed to learn a couple things, not on each other. Okay. So we, when we fought, we didn't fight well. We fought terribly. We didn't learn well from our parents. Right. Which isn't me trying to be critical of our parents or whatever, but both of our parents are from, they, they both ended up divorced. Eventually. In my case, earlier in years. You speak so much with your faces. Okay, separated earlier. Right. Okay. (laughs) There's so much communication going on that you guys can't hear. Yeah. This is why we're very good at like team player card games and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We'll kill anyone at that. Um, So if we met a couple now, a young couple, and they were like us then, we would not advise them to stay together, I don't think. No, because when we were mad at each other, we were mean to each other. Yeah. It's not like we were just mad at each other. We were mean to each other. Oh, yeah. I locked you out. Not of your house, but of my house when you had nowhere else to go. Oh, yeah. You cold cocked me. Well, yeah. (laughs) 
you kept on following me. It was okay if you followed me and talked to me, but then you touched me and you're not supposed to touch me when I'm walking away from you. Do you remember a gay couple pulled over and asked us once if you were okay? But we weren't fighting then. That was... No, we were yelling. No, I'm not talking about when I pushed you in the leaves and the cop pulled over. We were yelling at each other and a gay couple pulled over and said, are you okay to you? This is the way I remember it. And I told them to go to hell. And years later, in hindsight, thought, what a cool couple. Like, they were doing the right thing. Seeing a woman being followed by a man who's yelling at her. And and now you've you've become that person. And I've done that numerous times. Yeah, you've done that numerous times. Um, You know, I don't remember that either. You have a much better memory for these things than I do. I was probably eating something good. All my memories (laughs) are triggered by food. That's our inside joke. Yes. Um, yes. So... That's interesting, right? That we wouldn't, we couldn't counsel someone that was like us to stay together because that it doesn't bode well. And yet we did. And we, most people can't, I I find like even the guys at my work who all knew each other in high school, they're all more mature than they were in high school, but not when they're with each other. When they're with each other, they slap each other and they act like high school kids. I mean, their relationships haven't matured. And I think it's hard for a couple to stay together and grow that much. You grow a little, but I don't know. I think that that's, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of us. Yeah, that's a good thing we did. Yeah. Because you almost never punch me in the face anymore. Don't make it sound like I punched (laughs) you more than once. It was just the once, and it was because you touched me. (laughs) Anyways. I I was proud of you. That was, I mean, you really do have a good... Right hook. That's where Max gets it. But yes, we put a lot of work into learning how to fight fair with each other. And rules. And rules. No sarcasm. No sarcasm. No name calling. We thought about the things that we didn't like in our own relationship and also in the relationships we saw, including our parents. Right. Not solely our parents, but including our parents. Including our parents. So we can make a list of what we didn't want to do. Okay. I want to ask you something. Uh-oh. You know, I asked how your mom felt about your your position and your your trajectory in life. Did your mom ever express any concerns about this boy who the cops brought her other daughter home once uh, when she was underage drinking with me in a park? Different sister. Different one than the one who drank me under the table. This mm-hmm. one was only like two years younger than me. Yeah. So I'm on one side of 18 and she's on the other. And we were hanging out in the park with other friends drinking. Right. But what does your mom see? The cop saying, yeah, she was with this grown ass adult drinking in the park. And your mom's <laughs> like, oh, great. Brenna's mm-hmm. friend who later becomes Brenna's boyfriend. Yeah. At the time, you, uh, were you my boyfriend? At the time? No. No, I don't think so. But you, you and... Me and your mom also stayed up till three in the morning talking about Simon and Garfunkel and gossiping on Christmas Eve. And- my mom used, to, I mean, my mom let us bring, encouraged us to bring anybody who was lost at Christmas home, Christmas or Thanksgiving or any of those other big family holidays. So I often had three, four more people come home yeah. with me. And she would, she would stay up late talking to my friends. And that's just kind of who she was. Was she concerned about you kind of linking your wagon to someone with, I mean, let's face it. I don't exactly have good career prospects. I'm a high school dropout who couldn't keep a job for more than a couple months. I think like most moms, she 
most expressed concern about how my partners would treat me. Okay. So, God, she and I have had so many discussions about you. It's hard to like get back to the very <laughs> beginning. You have to remember, <laughs> I, w- I was talking to my mom about you for decades. Yeah. Um. So mostly I think that there were times in the beginning where she didn't think that you were going to be the best partner for me, but she also really liked you. Right. So, um, so yeah, but that changed over the time as your relationship with me changed. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if I even answered that question, but I think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, your father, unfortunately, passed away. I never had a chance to get to know him. Right. He passed away when I was 18. I feel like he may have had concerns as well, but that him and I probably would have gotten along. I think culturally we're very similar. I could see us talking about music. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. My dad was always really... Interested in my friends and very friendly with my friends. I mean, my my best friend in high school uh, came to pick me up once, and she and him just hit it off right away. And I think it was later that year, he surprised us. David Bowie was playing a concert, and I, you know, we didn't have the kind of money where I could buy tickets for a concert. That just wasn't something that I did as a teenager didn't have a job until I was out of the house and he surprised us with tickets to David Bowie and oh my gosh how cool is that so I'm always bummed I didn't get to meet him yeah um I, I was in the same house as him several times but he was working at night right he so often it was, took the night shh, shift so. be quiet dad's sleeping shh don't go around just to wake up dad you know, I think I've told you this before, but you know what it honestly reminded me of? What? At Knott's Berry Farm. Or maybe it was Disneyland because they had the Country Bear Jamboree. But there's this like fake mountain wall and up high there's a cave and you hear the sound of a bear snoring in the <laughs> cave. And there's a sign that says, don't wake the bear. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be totally accurate. My dad was totally a big old bear. Before I jump from kind of our past and our history into a little more of our modern life, I wanted to ask you this. If you were, if you're ever put on the spot to give advice to a young couple or a young person uh, regarding coupling, what, what would that be? Um, in general, lots of talking to each other. I know that you and I always do the best together when we are talking once a week and sometimes it's just a grocery list of what needs to be done and what our plans are and sometimes it's bigger stuff but if we do it once a week it never gets to be terrible stuff like any other ch- i hate to call it a chore but they sometimes pi- it's a chore things pile up it, it's yeah. the work it's the work you have to do yeah i would also encourage people that um I don't think I understood what therapy was until there have been a couple times in our life where we thought we would benefit from some therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think the main thing therapy does is just let you have those talks in a way that's structured and scheduled and you're on your best behavior because there's a third person there. Right. They, they said that George Harrison used to bring Eric Clapton in to work with the Beatles specifically because 
John and Paul would be on better behavior <laughs> when Clapton was there. And so they would all work better. I think that's what a therapist is. They're the Eric Clapton in your relationship, except not a horrible drunk racist. Hopefully. Yeah. Try to, try to get a therapist who's not a horrible drunk racist. Well, we've tried very hard on that. <laughs> I think we succeeded on that one. One thing I thought that was funny is that we auditioned our therapists. Right. We told them they would have to have one meeting with us before we'd commit to. Well, we were not a married couple. We were not a Christian couple. We We didn't didn't have children. We didn't want a Christian therapist who would think that that was the source of our. Right. Difficulty. So, and that was a lot of what therapists were putting forward as their credentials at the time for couples therapy. So, yeah, it was hard to find somebody who we felt like we would click with enough to do any good work. One woman was really offended that I thought her Christianity would be an issue. Right. And I can understand why, but she should also understand why we would ask something like that. Yeah. Cause we want to be comfortable. Right. <laughs> um, and sorry, I'm getting distracted by the sound of our daughter in the background. Who's supposed to be. This is what bedroom. happens when you stay with each other for a while, you end up with offspring. Well, let me, let me address that, actually. Um, we... Sorry, I don't... Okay, we're done parenting again. <laughs> we did move at a very slow pace. And yes. what's funny is I remember I was working at Petco and became good friends with the women that I worked with there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, that poor girl. When are you going to pop the question? When are you going to When are you going to put a ring on it? You I know? didn't want you to pop the question. That was the assumption. Mm-hmm. Was that I was the one taking forever and that poor suffering Brenna. Yep. And my standard reply back then was, I was like, I'm a high school dropout who makes his living telling jokes on stage. Do you think she's in a hurry to marry that? <laughs> <sighs> but when you did ask, I said yes. Uh, you were always. We were always on the same page. We're going slow. Mm-hmm. You think it's because uh, we come from separations and divorce? Um, that probably has something to do with it. But I think it also has to do with how young we were. Like, it didn't feel like we were young at the time. But 2021, when we officially started to be a couple. And I think both of us were very aware that we were young like at the very beginning of our life and we didn't know what was coming next i remember hanging out with sean mcfessel in god where was he in Uh, boston no 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 before that when he was at st john's in texas no new mexico new mexico sorry that's totally unimportant but sometimes your head gets caught up on these little details and he said to me that he sometimes had anxiety about taking advantage of being young, being aware that we're young and making the most of it because everyone always talks about missing it and longing for it. And he's like, and it's here now, damn it. Like, let's, I do feel like we were aware that we were young and we were aware when we were young. And even when we weren't that young anymore, (laughs) I, that whole, like they, they say our generation, there's an extended adolescence. And I think that's true in our case. And I think it's been great. Yes, absolutely. I mean, our parents were the hippie generation. Well, my parents were, and they made it look like so much fun. So 
Yeah. And by the time we had a kid, uh, we were 38. And we weren't going to resent her for all the things we didn't do. Or I I have all these people that are like, oh, yeah, you know, we had a kid and got boring. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you get boring anyway. (laughs) We didn't have a kid and we got boring. That's you you just get boring. And we We were never going to cozy. We weren't boring. I don't really think. But I think we got. Yeah, we got comfortable. Right. And we're never going to think that the kid ended our wild youth. We lived our wild youth. and, And then some. And having children is not for the weak. That too. <laughs> uh, I think having, like we're grandparent age. Like literally. Isn't that amazing? We had friends that were becoming grandparents when we were becoming parents. Hmm. Uh, but I think being this age and having a kid were so, well, our relationship's stable and that makes it easier. Yes. Because having a kid can be so intense. Um, I think there was one point in Max's toddlerhood where I described it as unrelenting, (laughs) which is not necessarily the most flattering way to describe parenting, but it's pretty accurate because it just continues. Okay. So two questions about our adult relationship. Okay. One, I was not a comedian when you met me. Not officially. I was a painter Mm -hmm. and I was in a band Mm -hmm. and then later I was in a band again Mm -hmm. and then comedy. Yes. When I go into something, I go in full bore. When I was in fish tanks, you had 13 fish tanks in your apartment. Yes, and you had your own fish tank business. And I know a lot of random facts about fish. Comedy, same thing. When I went to comedy, I went in all the way. Yes. Were you concerned? Because that's the first thing Like my mom heard and was like, don't talk about me on stage. Immediately. (laughs) And that's a standard reaction. Right. What were your concerns as I got into comedy? Um, I think that my biggest concern was that it would be hard because comedy, you're up there all by yourself and you are doing this art form that requires other people. You can't like do it in the back room on weekends kind of thing. And that puts you in a place for a lot of rejection. So I was worried that it would be heartbreaking. Luckily, you're very funny. Oh, well, thank you. You weren't worried about all of my material being about you. No. No. Because if we had the kind of relationship where all the material was about me, then I probably wouldn't be here for you to tell stories about me. <laughs> so, you were ready to leave my ass. Well, it just it never even occurred to me. Yeah. And you've always been very conscious of not making your family the butt of the joke. So. Yeah, I hate that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so now a question uh, that's, you know, not actually just about me. Um, (laughs) That one wasn't meant to be, but... Mm -hmm. uh, So you are an introvert. Yes, very much so. And I'm sorry that you Hmm. lost the genetic lottery and our daughter got the extrovert genes of her father. Oh my gosh, so much so. What is it like being an introvert? is sharing the world with two extroverts especially now i mean you're sheltering in place with two extroverts um that's kind of a different question pre-pandemic and post-pandemic maybe not yeah i I mean you can give two answers yeah i think that a lot of what makes it work is when i make rules and boundaries around it 
I mean, when we were doing our road trip together and we stayed at my grandmother's house, it was the first time we had not been living in the bus together in a month or two. And it was like, oh my God, I need this. I need like some time, some space, some empty, quiet space around me. And that was really hard for you. Yeah, I was like, cool, we can have sex in a bed. <laughs> yes. Um, but once you once you got it as well, got some space, you really enjoyed it. And I think it's been the same with having a child who's so much of an extrovert. Ergo, the Trader Joe's rule. Could, could you explain? Because this has actually worked its way into my act. Can you explain oh, the Trader it. Joe's rule? Um, my child from the point that she could talk and maybe even before that, which was early, she started talking really young, right? Um, likes to talk to everybody and you know, I did everything with Max and Toe. That was just how our life worked. So in Trader Joe's, the rule is that she can pick three people to talk to no more. And that helps her curate her experience a little more. And it means that I'm not stopping in like every half aisle to talk to more strangers. <laughs> so, so yes, like having some very clear rules like that helps. I love that she will actually like shop for the most interesting strangers to she talk does. to then. Yes. Like yes. just boring looking, you know, typical Trader Joe's yoga mom or yoga dad. But if you have a dog or a pet. Yeah. Or if you're like wearing a garish amount of makeup. Yes. Like anything, <laughs> anything that you stand out, Max is like, ooh, what's this person all about? Yes. So, so that's one of the things that helps an introvert with a bunch of extroverts. So this is our Valentine's Day uh, episode. Okay. What, uh, what could people listening who want to be sweet and romantic in these days of COVID uh, do for their significant other this Valentine's Day. And I'm not just asking for hints on what I should do for you. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the Valentine's days that I remember the most fondly, not the days when dates when we would go out, but like when we would pack a picnic lunch, a lunch of like littles and go sit on the dock and have a bottle of wine and, sit out there until it got dark, things like that. Yeah. So, and that's that's doable unless you have children. And foot rubs. And foot rubs. Always, always foot rubs. Always foot rubs. Uh, Brenna, wife of mine. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. For talking with me. Usually at this point in the podcast, I have people um, promote what they are doing and where people can find them. But we just spent a lot of time covering that you're an introvert and you don't need them to find you. <laughs> this is true. So why don't you tell us about a, th this is what we're going to do with the plugging. Okay. Um, there is a group that you do work with mm -hmm. who uh, do good things in our community. Yes. And if I'd known I had the opportunity, I would have websites and phone numbers. That's okay. We can, we can put all of that in the uh, information page. Okay. Me, me and Joe will do the research. Okay. Um, Waking the Village works with unhomed youth uh, with a particular lean into families. Um, Art Beast, which is where I was working pre-pandemic, is part of their outreach. And they also have the Tubman House. And a 
couple other uh, creation just, district, creation district, which is where I was volunteering teaching comedy. Right. And they can always use support, whether it is monetarily or they accept donations for setting up young people with their first apartments, any of that. Yeah. And, and they are near and dear to my heart. And also you and I, you know, this one thing we didn't talk about, we have worked together several times. Yes. At different restaurants, cafes early in our relationship. Yes. Uh, we worked with the women who founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Way in back in the day when Greta's was still around. And they have been awesome activists, make the world a better place kind of people for 30 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So remember that time when we were working together at Greta's and you wore that skirt? <laughs> that was basically Is this your favorite memory. It was basically just a rug. That you um, had on top of a, an old chest in your apartment. You just wrapped it around your hips and put a safety pin through it. Yeah. Had some tights underneath. Yeah, I had tights. Tights are practically pants. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I will never, ever. You weren't my <laughs> girlfriend at the time, but you came walking in. And that may have been the day that sealed the deal. Yeah. We're seeing you in that skirt with mm. the tights. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, so I am your host, Keith Lowell Jensen, and you've been listening to The Keith Lowell Jensen Show. Thank you so much. My producer is Joe Honor. Uh, our art is done by Joe Honor. Our audio editor and engineer is Jack Matrenga. Joe and Jack are with HyperPixel. HyperPixel is a production company with a focus on digital marketing and e-commerce, offering daily management of your website, social media accounts, and digital marketing campaigns. Our theme song was done by the great DJ Reel, who uh, I absolutely love. He's a great comedian. Please go check him out. And once again, thank you so much to our sponsor at Burley Beverages. Remember to visit burleybeverages.com. If you are in Sacramento, you can swing by their tasting room. They are doing socially distanced visits. You can't do any tasting, but you can buy some good bottles. And uh, and online or in person, you can get the 15% discount with KLJ Rules, spelled in all caps with a Z instead of an S at the end. If you haven't already, please go watch my comedy special, Not For Rehire, on Amazon Prime and leave a review. Uh, this poor woman sitting next to me is relying on me to pay the bills you gotta go watch the special and leave a review <laughs> and rate it uh brenda thanks for sticking with me for uh how many years are we at now did we decide um we've been married for almost 12 and we've been coupled for 14 so that makes 26 27 i think we decided yeah something like that yeah i love you i love you too happy valentine's day thank you that was us. Awesome.